spiritual conversations for the godless. I'm Matthew Blake. And I'm Karen Thurston. Welcome to Heathen. Hi, Heathens. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, oh, through the heathens. magic of editing, all this is going to appear so professional. It's true, heathens. We love you. And listen, it's been a. It's this. We're now an hour into when we started trying to record this podcast, and our guest today has been delightfully patient. Uh, and um, yeah, we're here. We're here now, and we think it's going to work. We're here. Yeah. Yay. Yay! All right. So, Karen, tell us a little bit about how we got to this moment. This, well, we downloaded a lot. Of, no, no not that. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Too much detail. So we have David Wimbush here on the pod today. That was really nerdy. That came out so nerdy for reasons the I don't pod. understand. Because we have never called on this a pod. The pod. <laughs> the pod, you guys. Um, I went to Wild Goose Festival in North Carolina last year for the first time, and um, we were wandering around. I went, Ben was playing. And so I got to go and just kind of hang out with him. And then we were just wandering around one evening and David's band, the collection was on the stage. And I um, am relatively jaded when it comes to music and musicians because I'm surrounded by them all of the time. And so I'm usually like, yeah, or we could go home and it would be fine. Um, And I like stopped got sucked in, danced, jumped, the whole thing, because I cannot remember the last time I encountered a band that had that kind of magnetic, frenetic, magic energy going on. Uh And I just, like, lost my shit. I was so excited. And then David was talking and saying all these really beautiful, profound things about everything from separation, uh, divorce, deconstruction, to you name it. And I was like, I would like to have a conversation with this human. So... That's how we got here, because then I sent a really long <laughs> email that was like, hi, here are all of the things that I really liked. Don't worry, it's not creepy. It's fine. I'm a professional. And, you know, I hung out with Jennifer Knapp one time. It's cool. Um, <laughs> so I sent that email, and here we are. And so David's here. David, thanks for being here and being so patient. Thanks for having me. That is so kind of you to say, too, about that show and, and Wild Goose. I don't know. It's a That's a – what a – what an interesting place to be. <laughs> interesting place. All right. For sure. That yeah. festival is a, it's a world unto itself. Mm, yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we do a thing on Heathen where despite the fact I just talked for five minutes, we actually like to let our guests introduce themselves. So um, tell us, tell us a little bit about just who you are and, and what you do and where you come from. Sure. Um, yeah. So I live in snow camp, North Carolina. <laughs> Which is currently living up to its name, covered in snow, for the one time it happens every year. And uh, I primarily work on music in my life um, in a band called The Collection. And uh, I produce records for other bands. And I don't know, what else? I cook, I love cooking. Uh, I'm an Enneagram 8 with a 9 wing. Hey, hey, twin, how are you? Oh, hello. hello. (laughs) (laughs) Two of us in the Um, house. Yeah, wow. I, I, you know, it's it's funny. I don't know, I don't know a ton of Enneagram eights, um, and I have like recently in the last couple years become with become really really close friends with another eight, and it's been honestly like very wild trying to figure out how to be good friends with another eight. (laughs) (laughs) Is it confrontational um, or? Um, 
yeah it, it's just i mean it's just intense i guess <laughs> i mean i'm also a scorpio so it's just like the it's just the high yeah. intensity yeah it being being me sometimes um so yeah yeah i don't know like um it, it's it's almost just like if we have not like done things the best way we should for our friendship, it's like really easy to be open about how frustrating it is. And then it's like really easy to fight about it and then make up very quickly and be like best friends again. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm an Enneagram three with really mighty wings on either side, which means I was terrified of eights until very recently when I went through my whole like Enneagram three come to Jesus evolution. Like I actually have to be a person (laughs) instead of just a bunch of projected identities thing. (laughs) And now that I feel like I have some sort of actual foundation under my identity, eights are my like safest, most reassuring humans. Mm. Yeah. It's been such an interesting flip where I've gone from being like, Oh God, not the eights. Yeah. Like, yes, <laughs> give me more of that. Yeah. And it's that rupture repair thing that I think is so appealing. Like I love that. Just like, no, nope, this is hard for me. I'm unhappy about it. Now we're friends again. Yeah. Like, oh, what? Really? Yeah. And I think eights, eights and threes very often have a similar like energy. Mm-hmm. which is this kind of, yeah, like fast, sometimes fast moving, like power energy, um, mm-hmm. which I love. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I get along with threes, which is wild because I think fours are always my most contentious relationships. So uh-huh. um, they're, they're <laughs> I, so close, but that's my struggle. I think eights and fours always struggle. I Like I once heard somebody like an Enneagram person saying like, Oh yeah, like any numbers can make a relationship work. Like you can be smart and make it work. And then he was like, except yeah. for maybe an eight and a four. Like an eight and a four should just never be <laughs> together. Like kind of just that never will work. <laughs> well, I can't wait to let my husband listen to this podcast because guess what he is? <laughs> wow. I have huge feet and they're both in my mouth. No, no it's man. perfect. You, you don't. You, you don't perfect. because everything you said is absolutely true. And that's the thing. It's, uh, uh, it, <clears throat> except for the fact that I think any number can make it work, including eights and fours. It's just very, we, we all have very unique challenges and very unique things that we have to address. And thank God for the Enneagram, actually, because I think it is the thing that enabled Chris and me like to really finally get to the root of some of our communication issues and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and uh, I mean, yeah, it's still always, there's always challenges, but uh I think we're I think we're handling it yeah. okay. Well, and I would argue that honestly, I think understanding that the sort of self-awareness that comes from the Enneagram or similar work is maybe the only reason why mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I would think an eight to four could make yeah. it work. Like yeah. without that yeah. <laughs> without that empathy and without that being like, what the fuck is this person doing? Yeah. Um, how is your brain making that connection? Yeah. Without that, I think you'd be Why was that your choice? Yeah, why? Why? Because it's the opposite a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah. Opposite choices. Well, and to be fair, the the disclaimer is that the the person who said that is a four married to an eight. So. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. Come on. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Can be done. You just gotta be yeah. willing to. Yeah. They just want to be the only four married to an eight. So yeah. That's. that's they just oh, want to be unique in their fourness. <laughs> <laughs> They're just telling all other fours not to marry eight. Right, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You can't handle this. Only I can handle this as a very oh, unique God. individual. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny and it's probably true. 
right. So we know we know very little really about your story. We know kind of what I heard that night at yeah, the the show, and then what we've read online. Um, but it sounds to me, from what we do know, that you've kind of gone through sort of deconstruction on many levels, like in the band and in music and then in relationship and possibly religion and all of those things at once. So, you know, this podcast is usually, we kind of like to go into that a little bit and we've been moving lately toward like, and now what? But I'd love to hear a little bit Mm. of your story um, just around any of those things. Sure. Um, Yeah, I was... Uh, I grew up in a missionary family, but also like a pretty specific missionary family because my my parents did most of their out of the country living work before I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, I when my mom was pregnant with me, I made her incredibly sick, so they came back to the U.S. So I fucked it up for them. Um, but uh, then they took um, more U.S. based missionary work at the same organization. They worked for um, Wycliffe Bible Translators for 30 years. And um, yeah, so we lived in um, a little town called Waxhaw, North Carolina, where Wycliffe has a base. And um, I have been to that base. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I went went to a, uh, so I went to a Christian school, like K through 12, where my mom was a teacher. And um, we did a, a week in high school every year where you would go, uh, kind of, kind of like career week, and you'd go shadow Um, you know, somebody, whoever, but if you didn't, if you weren't able to put something together yourself, the school had a few options for you. And one of the options was to travel to, to Waxhaw to see that base and interact. We actually got to like interact with a couple pilots and, and things like that. But uh, I, I, it made an impression. I remember it very well, actually. Was it, was it for Jars Day? Oh yeah. What, what is that? What is Jars Day? That sounds familiar. Well, yeah, the the base is called Jars, and then like once I don't know if it's once a month or something, but they do like a day where they kind of like open it up for like bigger tour. Like I think you can come anytime, but then they have a bigger day, and they like people, yeah, like go meet the pilots and like I don't know. I mean, I was yeah. always like I was always like skateboarding and like hopping the fence onto the airstrip when you're not allowed to, and like trashing <laughs> stuff during those days. So I, I feel like I don't have the best recollection of what they did. Did you have <laughs> any vandalism while you were yeah, there? Yeah. Were there any, like, <laughs> yeah. punk kids? Yeah, we could have been there on the same day, David. Who knows? <laughs> I know. Probably. It's wild. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's you said you grew up in Asheville, right? Or you, you yeah. lived in Asheville? Yeah. Okay, so you weren't you weren't super far. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's where I grew up, which, I mean, in certain ways was um, awesome. Like, I could be outside as long as I wanted and like go ride bikes but they have like miles and miles of trails back there and go swimming and like had a great community of friends um but also was just very particular very very conservative um area and it's kind of wild now because like my parents aren't very conservative but but they were growing up so it's 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 hard to it's almost like hard to talk about growing up because I'm like, oh, I don't want people to think of my parents this way yeah. <laughs> because they've changed so much. Um, but when they were there, you know, um, yeah, we were, I was, I was homeschooled up until high school. So that's a particular thing. And um, was, yeah, just very involved in like church culture. My mom was the worship leader at the church I grew up in. And so like, you know, there were missionaries, missionary community, church community, like that was kind of my thing. But, but I, from kind of like early teens, I think like I just, 
didn't find it very cool. <laughs> and so like all my friends yeah. went to public school and like I was very into skateboarding and I was getting very into music and like I couldn't stand that like all these kids around me had to wear skirts that covered their ankles and things. I was like, oh my God, like where, where am I? Like, I, I don't know. I just always, I didn't ever feel like very much a part of it. Um, I, mm. I felt, a, I felt a part of my church, but even then, like I, I ended up being the um, worship leader at my youth group and like I would get scolded every week for like getting too emotional in it and like and like yelling and things like that <laughs> yeah I know exactly so like I I never like quite fell apart of that of that culture mm-hmm. um so uh but one way that I was very a part of that culture was I got married when I was 19 mm-hmm. um to somebody I dated starting when we were when I was 15 so you know <laughs> um yeah yeah very very um Christian culture. So yeah, so I was I got married, moved to Greensboro, North Carolina, and um started doing music more then. And uh that's how the band came about. And wow, I feel like I this is so boring. Thank you for humoring me. Um yeah, and it was it was kind of through that period that um I guess you could say deconstruction uh started. Um and there were probably like tons of little things that that started that, you know. All, all it, it was not like one giant thing, but I do think the the biggest thing was I was working as a worship leader at a church that when I started I thought was non-denominational, and then found out was actually a Presbyterian church. Hmm. And one of the Presbyterian churches that hadn't voted to allow women in leadership and was not openly for you know, gay marriage, all this kind of stuff that like, it just was so troubling to me that these were even conversations anymore and that they were conversations in the church. And, um, I just finally hit a point where I was like, Oh, I, I don't know what the Bible, I don't know what the Bible is like actually communicating about these things. But if, <laughs> if what these, if what these people think the Bible's communicating about them is what it's communicating, then like kind of fuck that. Um, right. Yeah. It was it was it was kind of like my first real like, oh, I'm gonna like choose what f- what I think is like actually right over what the book that I've used to th- to tell me what's right might say. Um, and yeah. and kind of through that process, it was like I very I I within a few months stopped working at the church, stopped uh, doing the house church that I was a part of, and kind of like exited all of my main communities around that stuff and mm. you know it's funny how like that sounds like such a small thing to be mm. like oh yeah i'm going to choose what what is right over what this and yet like for me that was the same thing for me when i made i can distinctly remember like sitting in my car consciously making that choice of mm-hmm. saying like i think the right thing for me to do is something that is different from what the church for the first time in my life yeah. in my mm. early 20s and just like the the wacky cataclysmic massiveness of that moment and mm-hmm. then and how quickly then everything was like like change the course of all, your entire life all the other dominoes start to fall yeah it's wild it's such a huge it's it's strange how stubbornly you have to make that break in that decision totally yeah because then you're like huh well if that's true for this thing like like if all of a sudden my conscience is aware of a morality that is not determined by this book like yes. i thought my morality was then like what other areas is that true of the 
like what else is what else is my conscience telling me and like oh my god like i've never listened to my conscience before like right. i don't know it's like I don't know. It's like you learn to cook by following the same recipe over and over and over. And then like you accidentally dump more salt in. And you're like, whoa, this is better. And then you're like, oh, shit, this could be better. Like, right. how can I find out about how I actually want this to be? And then like soon you're like, I don't even fucking like lasagna. <laughs> like, why, <laughs> why am I eating lasagna? Like, I actually want to be. broccoli even tastes like. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. And then like soon you're learning how to cook with whatever you want, you know, and you understand like the concepts of cooking. And then like, eventually you're like, Oh, this is why that recipe said this because of this concept in in cooking, you know, but like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, wow, maybe bad well, metaphor. No, can, but... we, can we ride this metaphor? No, I I'm, love, I'm, I'm obsessed with metaphor. this because here's what I love. I, I did this exact thing with cooking as well because I grew up with very like 1950s like steamed vegetables casseroles. and casseroles. Right. <laughs> and didn't know. But I went through a whole thing. And when I when I started learning to cook, I had this moment where I was like, I don't fucking know what spices taste like. Like, I don't know what <laughs> yeah. oregano does. Yeah. I know that I'm supposed to put in a teaspoon of oregano, but I don't know how oregano changes the flavor of the thing. Like, I don't actually know what I'm doing. And so I went through a whole thing where I was like, I got to figure out what oregano tastes like, which I feel like very closely mirrors my experience with religious deconstruction. Like, yeah. I feel like I had to go all the way back to the basics and be like, I don't know what I like. I don't know what I actually think about things. I have to figure out what my preferences are as a human mm-hmm. being outside of like this act just this thing telling me what to do so Mm -hmm. i this is a perfect metaphor i love it i I love it it's beautiful it's like growing up you're you're brought to the same pantry every every (laughs) meal time and you're like this is the pantry from which we cook and and (laughs) then someone points out the grocery store across the street and you're like but wait like there's there's aisles and aisles of options over there and um going making that first step to go into the grocery store is that huge and what what i find is interesting so far all three of us kind of like touched on is when you make that decision it 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 does feel like cataclysmic it feels monumental and the the aftermath um turns into i i very i've talked to very few people who like have that realization or make that decision and then like continue right like you 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 don't stay in the community you don't continue doing life the way you did it before and i'm just now realizing that like why don't we why is that never an option like i i i know why it's never an option i think obviously but i just it's just weird to me all of a sudden that when we decide to change a belief structure or adopt a new belief all of a sudden it's like we have to like cut ties and we have to walk away and we have to end relationships and all of that stuff that follows. Why, why, why is it immediately that, you know, like, and and I'm feeling like it, so much of that um, response and reaction comes from the people that we've been in relationship with because we ultimately are Mm. cast out, ostracized, you know, told how wrong we are, told how, you know, the path that we're headed down is sinful and wrong. And there's just no um, option to like cohabitate and just continue to do life together mm-hmm. once we've adopted a new belief. Yeah. Well, and I also wonder, like, I don't know if you experienced this as well being an eight, but 
um, I just end up accidentally in leadership of like almost everything I'm a part of, even yeah. if it's not my, even if it's not my plan. And so, you know, a lot of the things that I'm a part of, like I'll I'll be in leadership of a thing based around, you know, some measure of belief, and especially in that time. And so when the belief starts changing, it's like hard to be leading other people in it. And so for me, I think a lot of times it was like that. It was like, oh, I have these whole communities and like they're very much a part of these belief systems or like they they exist because of these belief systems and like I don't have space to even like question or or even like really think clearly if I'm if I'm still a part of them at the moment um mm. you know yeah. so I don't know I, I but but I do think even if you're not in leadership I do think that tends to be the experience of a lot of people at least well I mean maybe not just in the Christian world honestly in, in any kind of world um because I, I think what happens a lot is like people get very tied to the beliefs, but not the meaning of the beliefs. And mm. so as soon as you shed the beliefs, or, or maybe I should even say the language, like people are very tied to the language and the imagery, and, and they, they kind of conflate the two um, yeah. um, with their meanings. And so when you drop or, or like no longer trust or identify with the language, um, People, people just like assume that you no longer identify with the meaning, or or they can't separate them, and right. so yeah. there's no way to like still relate to people, even though even though there totally should be a way to to relate to people. Totally um, should. Yeah, <laughs> I th I think I was a uh, <clears throat> super naive in a lot of my processes growing up because I yes I I, I definitely relate to the just stumbling into leadership roles <laughs> throughout mm -hmm. my whole life, and. Um, mostly church leadership roles because that was the world I was in as well. And it just, uh, I think maybe unlike you, I did very much identify with the world um, uh, only because I, I think I had no other options. I was never exposed to any other options. And, and it just felt like if I didn't have my place in the church, what did I have? I, it, it just mm -hmm. didn't, it didn't seem like there was life outside of it. So, um, uh, I, don't care, I forgot what we were just talking about. Um, oh, the, the the leadership. I naively, as my um, ideas and beliefs were evolving and changing, just I did stay in a lot of my leadership roles for way longer than I think um, mm. was maybe necessary or good uh, because I, I just, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to talk about what's evolving and what's changing. And um, I think that's how I ended up getting kicked out of so many things like I didn't I, I very rarely elected to leave the thing right like for mm -hmm. me it was always you're, you're stepping down now or you need to you're, you're no longer capable of handling this particular responsibility because of what you're talking about with people I, I was just very like this is what's going on for me like let's talk about this let's uh, is anybody else experiencing this too and I would find people in the community obviously who were asking those same questions and would gladly have those discussions with me one-on-one -on -one. but then once it came to that moment of any kind of public reveal of Matthew just spoke about X or you know brought up where he is with his sexuality or anything like that it, it just became a you know I got the chop on the chopping block a lot in my life um, mm. yeah that's interesting mm -hmm. yeah it's it's so interesting how many of those spaces are not safe spaces for <laughs> for any kind of uh, questioning or yeah 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 which is like 
I don't know. It, it feels a little bit silly because I, I feel like even when I think about like stories about Jesus, like most of the time it was like church leaders doing a thing and then he would like question it. He would like publicly question it or ask them a question that was like really the opposite of what they thought was right. Yep. And that was kind of just like <laughs> the way that he taught was just like, uh, yeah, asking like kind of crazy questions. Right, so it, it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's, I think it is really one of the things that I find most puzzling about the modern American church um, specifically is this sort of weird mass illusion of fragility. Like if we ask these questions, if we challenge whatever the status quo is or if we shake this thing like the whole thing is going to suddenly crumble and we're all going to hell in a handbasket and this idea that like this thing is so easily broken seems very counter to like i don't know the bible it was so incongruent with Mm. the experience like the what we were taught and then what we experienced was so incongruous because yes like like god is bigger than the boogeyman yeah we sing songs god is great god and yet but super scared of my wanting to know what oregano tastes like. Like, yeah. God can't handle that shit. He's like, nope, you're out. Get out of here before you lead them all astray. And, um, like, if your people are that easy to cause to stumble, like, something is weird in that for yeah, me. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. I'm curious for you guys as Enneagram eats, like, and, and in leadership while you're deconstructing, like, did, was there, like, guilt that played a role in that at all like did you have the same thing I had which was like this feeling that I am now responsible for everyone's damnation more or less because Mm. I am yeah sorry that that laugh is just like oh yep Mm -hmm." yep (laughs) yeah did that did that play what was that like for you um well well, I I do think that's part of my like stepping away Mm -hmm. from a lot Mm -hmm. of things I was a part of but um specifically we we had a record come out um, called Ars Morandia is our first full length record, and I mean that record is like full of kind of like doubting what is this blah blah blah. Um, but I, it really was like in between that record and the next the next record where I was like, oh, I'm like fully not in this anymore. And that next record, I think lyrically, it was almost like a lot more coded. Like, I, I think I struggled to feel like I could be 100% like mm-hmm. open, even though I want to be. And I feel like our music, to some degree, is like marked by openness. It was all of a sudden like, huh, I'm using a lot of imagery and metaphor instead of like, <laughs> you know, just saying the thing that I'm thinking. Um, and And I, you know, there's some portion of that that's like maybe just the like, oh, I don't want to have these conversations with people. <laughs> um, like more than more than like a fear of leading somebody to damnation or something. But um, I don't know. I was thinking about it this week because we we got an email from from somebody who knows um, about like this early, early, early song. That's like a pretty Christian-y song. And they were like, they were like, hey, like we wanted to write because we like this song, but we're questioning some of the theology in it. And it was oh, just like, it was like, oh my God, I don't even have the patience to email back to explain how not interested in answering that question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, me like, too. It's fine. Like, I just want to answer and be like, cool, listen to the next three records and then let me know if you still have questions. About, yeah. about it is such an interesting phenomenon to have like, 
as an artist to have your work out there and available from different phases in your life. And like, you never know what point someone is going to enter your story, regardless of where you are. I have blog posts that I wrote six, seven, eight, 12 years ago that still circulate the internet and will show up every once in a while. And I'm like, yeah, I am so about to not be the person you think I am like in this massive way. And I don't (laughs) even know how to communicate with you as that girl. Like I don't, Mm -hmm. I love her. I remember her. I feel for her. I have empathy for her and I have no idea how to be her at all Mm. for you. Mm. It's just such an interesting. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Which the nice thing is like, you don't have to be, you know, any, any, anymore. And, and, like I think about this with with the music too sometimes um, that it's like if somebody hears that old thing and it's like their first step into thinking about cooking, <laughs> mm-hmm. then like you know that's cool. And I, I don't say that as as if like all of a sudden if if they're learning to cook from me that they'll know how to cook very well. But <laughs> if it's if it's their first step into not being like spoon fed a thing and to like think about you know, how, how, how they think about things on their own, then like, you know, then, or honestly, I mean, I don't know if y'all ever feel this way and, um, it's fine if you don't, but there are times that sometimes I, (laughs) I almost like miss how easy it was. Yes. Um, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And so like, sometimes it's like, God, like if somebody's connecting with me on on that even like if they're connecting with this old version of me and they're still in a place where like some part of their life feels easy because of this like laid out Mm -hmm. series of beliefs and like i'm not gonna like sit here and be like oh man like what a bummer that they're in that that. or something like that yeah yeah (laughs) some part of me wishes i could enjoy that again (laughs) it is honestly i think that's so much of the impetus behind even having these conversations is trying to get back to something where you just have a shared common language. You just know, like just knowing immediately where people are coming from because mm-hmm. you're sitting in the same pew. Mm-hmm. Like there is a really just like comforting um, uh, and, and not even just comforting, but just also a a path to relationship that's just, it's like fast tracked when you're, you're, you're part of the same church and you're, you're singing the same hymns and taking the same communion and doing all that same stuff. Like, it's like, oh, we can just immediately be in community together. And <laughs> it's like, I think, I think I've been looking for that ever since, you know, I, I, mm. I did my own deconstruction. It's like, well, let's, let, let's start mm. a podcast where we talk about it with other people. and f- Let's find the people who, who are our people. Um, and that whole drive toward, <sighs> I, I, I don't want to call it tribalism, but, you know, there, there's just a there's something in us that's mm-hmm. we just want to well and that kind of independent morality that we were talking about like that now i'm not just following mm-hmm. the book i'm mm-hmm. having to is exhausting and mm. terrifying yeah like, and uh, for me as a person as a parent as whatever like it was a thousand times easier when someone was just telling me what to do and like this yep, is the yep. thing to do this is the right thing to believe if you do a b and c you will live happily ever after. You will go to heaven with Jesus, even if life is hard. Like, it's all going to be fine at the end. And I frequently wind up in a place, like, when my anxiety will spike, I, the feeling I have, the very visceral feeling is I would just want 
my mom. Mm. Like, I want to go home. I want someone mm. to tell me what I have to do and tell me what the right thing to do is and make the decisions for me yeah. and say, like, nope, we know better. Here's the thing. And I'm like, no one is coming to do that for me. I just have to keep asking questions. Yeah. And mm. it's exhausting. It is. I think it's better. I wouldn't. Mm go I, I ultimately i wouldn't want to go back to that but man it's a lot of work it's mm -hmm. a lot of work yeah yeah that that was making me think about like um i th i think that well i mean just just our like evolution shows that like to some degree tribalism um again i understand the implications of that word <laughs> a little yeah. bit but 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 the the like pack mentality is um, has been necessary for our survival as a species. It's been very necessary yes. for our survival as a species, and so it's very tied in with us for, for like the feeling of comfort and the feeling of being able to like exist. And when you become kind of like more independent and don't feel like you have that home base, I I think it I think it can be a really difficult road forward. And and I also think that that is part of why the the institution like we were talking about a bit ago like the institution feels so easily threatened mm. um and it, it's not just christianity I, it's 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 any anything that threatens any pack i mean my, my brother is um getting he's pretty far along in getting his doctorate in um in like cellular research kind of like crazy stuff and um he's been working on some um crazy papers and gotten a few papers published and um he was just talking about like a, a few times things will come up that um it just in the field that it's like oh this thing comes up that's going to challenge the last 30 years of research in a really big way um and he was saying you know even in the scientific community it's very very hard to get people convinced even with like a mm -hmm. published paper and with and with the results because people just don't want to be challenged in how they do things and I, I don't think that's just christianity i think it's any any pack and and really because we're we're evolutionarily geared towards that being um, contradictory to our survival. Right. Yeah. And being uncomfortable is uncomfortable. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it just is. <laughs> Having to learn how to do things a new way is just exhausting. Like it really, it really is just tiring. And I think that it, if anything, that makes us see community more, makes us crave community more. The the fewer answers we have the more we're like hey anybody <laughs> yeah else i don't want to be the adult actually like at all ever um but it's a it's a i think that that's such an interesting i feel like we're, we're seeing that a lot now and i think i see that uh in you david a little bit in, the, in your music and then kind of what you're doing is just this like everybody kind of hit a, a bottom and I don't think we've maybe gotten to, I'd love to hear kind of if, if you have a, a moment that felt like it was kind of the bottom of your deconstruction when you kind of sh shifted from like I'm at the bottom now and I have to build something. Mm. Um, mm. But I think it's interesting now. I think we're seeing really kind of this moment of a lot of us, I think kind of went through this trajectory at a similar time and it feels like there's a wave now of like, okay, so now what? Like, what mm -hmm. do we build what do we teach our kids? How do we want to do relationship? Like what, where do we go? Cause we can't just not be humans anymore and not have this pack drive and not do this. Like, what does that look like? Um, yeah. So somewhere back there was a question about like, was there a moment that felt like the bottom for you? 
Yeah, yeah, I really distinctly remember it, actually. Um, Living in Greensboro, and I was driving my car, and I was, like, praying, trying to, like, pray in my head, and I was, like, so angry and frustrated, and I, like, tried to pray out loud, which is, like, not a thing I do. And Mm -hmm. I think I got, like, three words in, and I was like, huh, I'm talking to nobody. There's, Mm. I'm not praying to anybody. It was just, like, this feeling of, like, I'm talking to myself in this car right now. And, like, I just stopped and then had two years of, like, very major depression and total, like, disconnection from from people and from belief and... um, yeah, it was it was extremely difficult. Honestly, I think that was some of the most difficult years mentally of my life. Um, how old I mean, you? oh gosh, how old was I? 20, so, 24, yeah. 23, 24. <laughs> yeah, you hit that hard early. Like that's yeah. It. Well, it's the, I yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, well, I just wonder if that's also like semi <laughs> an eight thing. Like I don't know. I I, yeah. I I've tend like I've tended to um, have massive belief shifts before other mm-hmm. like my friends that I know and and make changes like getting divorced before friends that I know. But then it's like mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Which I, I think to some degree is the reason I do music because I remember even like early teenage years when I started questioning certain things. Um, uh, you know that they taught in church or whatever. Um, the the thing that always made me feel like I never I never knew anybody who was asking those questions, and so they were always just kept to myself. But I there there were a few bands in particular where it's just like I would hear these songs and I'd be like totally not feel alone, you know. And so I feel like yeah, now, now there's this like huge culture of of um of kind of more people than not that are like questioning some part of where they came from 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 faith cultures and it's like man i just would love for people to not feel so alone um (laughs) when they're when they're going through that or to not feel like they don't have people who are like listening or trying to understand in some way so um yeah yeah Yeah, we just oh go ahead continue oh i was gonna say i just i might have gotten off track there i don't know (laughs) no no you're great i was just gonna say we were talking to Derek Webb last week, uh, well, a couple weeks ago now, but, and he was saying something along the lines of like, there wasn't a soundtrack really Mm -hmm. when he was going through this deconstruction. And so like a lot of his work has been kind of like with this mindset of providing that soundtrack just so Mm -hmm. that there's something. And it's just, and for me, like I reference Richard Rohr laughing on the, you made it weird podcast all the time. Cause that was the first moment that I was like, Oh, someone else, someone else has been through this. And like, he's laughing about it. So cool. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but those things, just those little echoes of, nope, nope, this is this is actually, like, become, I think, even if it wasn't, I think it probably always was, but I think the internet has helped it to become publicly known as a, it's, this is an experience that is really mm-hmm. normal to life like this, especially for people who are oriented toward asking big questions about who we are and why we're here, like those answers shifting dramatically seems to be a really common experience that is shared between us and the Mm. amount of shame that's around it is really quite silly at the end of the day, considering (laughs) how many, like every pastor that I know has gone through this at some point. And it's like, it's such a common thing that the, the, the way that we treat it in the church and the way that we treat it in these places it really, I can't come up with another word than silly. It just seems quite silly. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you know, you go ahead. You were starting. I'm just thinking about um, the earlier question, Karen, you asked about any weight or responsibility we felt in Mm -hmm. in roles of leadership with people. And I think about that now and the ways that I still, you know, stumble into leadership um, and and, and anything I I feel now. And it's just a very different experience because I I don't... I don't know. Leadership is just such a <laughs> interesting concept. Anyway, I, I, if anything, I just feel like more like an administrator of things. Um, <laughs> you know, who actually get <laughs> shit done. Just, yeah, just yeah. a facilitator of like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, Someone yeah. Has to do it. There's a checklist, and we, if, we're, if we're gonna gather in a in a space on a day, then somebody has to do X, Y, and Z, and I can be that person. But um, <clears throat> but the the weight is is not. It's not, if anything, it's um, the burden now feels like I want to make sure that the space I'm creating or the conversations I'm having or the music that I'm leading people in is something that um, accommodates as many uh, experiences as possible, as Mm. many perspectives as possible, as many people in who are in the room from the folks who are you know maybe just like tasted oregano by itself for the first time to um you know folks who are doing the full you know full banquet like making creating the full five course meal and and um and that can be a really difficult thing too to like make sure that we're accommodating um everyone who's the folks who are like can can feel super triggered by certain language or certain um, uh, songs or whatever to the folks who are like, I still need, I still need a tether to, um, to, to real Jesus-y stuff or real, you know, like uh, down home spiritual, like I, I need to feel connected to the traditions that mm-hmm. I come from, even though I'm questioning them and even though I'm, um, you know, really pushing back, beginning to push back a little bit. And so if anything, the weight I feel in roles of leadership now is just, um, to let people be <laughs> who, who and where they yeah, yeah free who and where they are as mm-hmm. opposed to making sure that folks are all ascribing to the same you know content and checklists and things like that yes yeah i think yeah i i resonate with that so much um like i i think the assumption is like okay you you grow up in this thing then you deconstruct so then you find something else to replace it um right. and i i feel like really for me it's been like Oh, I grew up in this thing. I started to question it. And then the thing that has kind of replaced it is like wanting to give people space to question rather than to, rather than to fulfill some other amount of answers in there or, mm-hmm. or, or rather to tell people that they can only exist if they are fine with no answers, you know? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But instead just to, yeah, to really like give space for process. Um, my, my friend Daniel one time said, um, like life is a lot easier if you believe that um, at least almost everybody does what they do because they think it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's really like totally changed how I see so many people, even even like um, some like more difficult um, groups of people like in the communities that I live in and like communities of people that I think um, are 
not very aware of the rights they take away from other people. Um, not that I think it gives them a pass, but to understand that like people, yeah, everybody's like going through the things they're going through. Um, for for whatever reason, the, the again the pack mentality, the struggle for survival, the the need for like some kind of answers because their job or work is so hard that they like actually don't have space to process harder things in life um, because they're just trying to survive financially. Whatever that there's so many um, reasons why people do what they do, and that like in general, I've not met too many people that are like really cruel and like evil at heart. <laughs> um, yeah, and, super villains are not like a thing you encounter much in the real world. They exist, mm-hmm. but most people mm-hmm. are not like, I shall be evil for evil's yeah. sake. Blah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like, t- yeah, totally. <laughs> and even the villains, I mean, that's what they teach you in, when you get a theater degree in college, like some of us, this yeah. is useless for other things. But one of the things that's interesting that they do teach you is that like even the villain thinks he's doing the right thing usually yep. like from from whatever twisted wound or point of motivation or whatever that is yeah. villain like even the worst villain isn't like i really want to just fuck shit up because that's like normally it's coming from some sort of i feel like this is some sort of justice that needs to happen in the world i feel like this is some sort of wrong that needs to be corrected i feel like there's always some some reason why they feel like their actions are justified you can't play a villain from a place of like i just want to be evil you know (laughs) i i I, uh, matthew's making his skeptical (laughs) face at me he's like i don't know i've just been i've I've just been in a a space lately i there's one of the podcasts I listened to has done a big feature on um, how rampant uh, child sexual abuse and, and human mm. trafficking are right now in our world and specifically in the United States. And it, so I'm a little like right right now, just raw around that subject. Like mm. man, some people truly genuinely are doing the worst they can and, mm. and, and just for their own gain or their own uh, impulses. And, and so that I'm struggling with that, but I do, I, I mean, Yes, and you know, yeah, just totally. both. It's, totally, it's, yeah, it's both. It it's both for me right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is not to like justify the action. <laughs> right. Again. Yeah. No anybody, pass. And, no yeah, pass yeah, yeah, yeah. any of this. And there is absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I think, evil. Evil behavior should be called out repeatedly yeah, as yeah. evil fucking behavior, yeah. loudly and clearly. Um. But I, I also, and I also agree completely that that perspective of like most people, I think yeah. I, I tell Fable, my daughter, I tell her all the time, like most people want to help you. Yeah. Like most people you encounter and you do have to be careful because you will run into people who don't want to help you, mm-hmm. but don't look at the world as being full of people who want to hurt you because yes. most of them actually do on some level want mm-hmm. to see other people succeed. We Agreed. are wired. Agreed. And we all fall into all those ca- different categories on different days, like, the, you know, days when you're, you're, you're in the car and you see an accident and you're like, nope, not, I'm not going to be the person to pull over today. Like, I can't. It's not me. It's yeah. somebody else will get that or, or whatever. Like, very easy for us to like. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a three, so I don't actually ever have that because I see it and I'm like, this is an opportunity to shine. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> It'll be me, guys. It'll be me every time. I can be exhausted. Oh, and I'm wow. Still yeah, that does sound exhausting. Oh, man. Um, so <laughs> wow. Cal- California problems. 
<laughs> oh, did, did, did it get busy on the 101 or the one or yeah, whatever yeah, you're exactly. talking about? <laughs> <laughs> we are. We take the five to the 85. I'm, the yeah. 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 I'm just the insert number. Two. <laughs> yeah. I'm from NorCal though, so I have to say like hella instead. Uh, wow. Like the freeway was hella packed today. Um, wait, wait, where is NorCal? Like well, what? Just like, Northern California. Well, yeah, um, but I mean, like what? Like what classifies? Like how far up? How Basically, far south I think is it's that? like San Francisco <laughs> Bay Area, Bay up, area yeah. up is Northern California. Oh. So I'm we live in San Diego now, but I yeah. grew up in San Jose and the Silicon Valley I'm from where everyone's phone is from. Um, okay, because like San Francisco is kind of like also still like the middle of California. It is. I know. Right? Yeah, <laughs> California geography yes. has nothing to do with the words we use. Like it's just yeah, it, it makes sense. Things are unrelated. Because um, nobody's have- like, I'm from Eureka. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! That's that's really yeah. Sacramento, I suppose, counts, but uh, yeah, yeah. it would really probably be more where Northern California technically begins. Right, but no, yeah. we call Central California is like the part between San Francisco and LA is Central it, California. Yeah, Haley, uh, you know, m- my bandmate is from Sonora, California, which to me, I look at the map and I'm like, that is firmly in the southern part of the state. <laughs> And yet she's yeah. nope. That's NorCal. We're NorCal. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, my my ex-wife was from San Luis Obispo, and uh-huh. um, yeah. so uh-huh. we were there a lot. And it was always like that too. Like you're saying the Central Coast, but this is still actually the South. Like this is still right. Southern California if you look at the whole state. I would but, argue that anything north of San Luis Obispo is actually probably <coughs> like destined to be referred to as Northern California. Okay. <laughs> cool. So I grew up. My grandparents uh, lived in Morro Bay, so I spent. Oh yeah. Okay. A huge chunk of my childhood in Morro Bay, and that cool. was the same thing. So. I've been there a lot as well. Cool. Like place, big rock. <laughs> yep. Exciting. Yep. Big rock. Um, it's nice. So, okay, so you hit this bottom place. <laughs> I've got to get back on track. God, yeah, God sorry. damn it, damn it. Also, okay, here's, wait, here's another side note ah. that I, it's been bugging me because I skipped over it. I have a, now a new hypothesis that, like, there's no such thing as the non-denominational church. Like, I don't think that's a thing. I am starting to believe that every non-denominational church is actually just a denomination. <laughs> this sounds suspiciously like the argument that bisexuals don't exist, <laughs> Listen, I am willing to be proven wrong if y'all who identify as non-denominational want to, like, I, I send me an article. You don't have to educate me. Like, it's cool. I will do my own research on this. And this is my hypothesis. Yes, let's hear um, it. No, that's it. That's the whole thing. Like, oh. I don't, I'm starting to think that non-denominational church is a front. Like, it's not a thing. So meaning. Well, and that's, like, oh, sorry. Well, just meaning that, like, they are all controlled by a specific. They're all, like, I went to a non-denominational or... church that was really a Baptist church. David here went to a non-denominational church that's actually a Presbyterian church. Like, I, I mean, feel yeah, like it's. I mean, yeah, mine was non-denominational, but other people called us Plymouth Brethren. Right. So, yeah. I think that non-denom is, like, the name <laughs> that people put on things when they want to slightly deviate from a thing, but, like, not not really. We still want to, like, be part of the the funding and the basis yeah. of the whole thing. That you well, and that's, being. It's, that's also, it's also a way to be, like, we're not, we're not actually f- funded by or, right. you know, like, yeah. we don't have to sign a charter with any specific right and also that we pretty much are still this thing but like, we still believe all the same things right. that somebody else might yeah gotcha. this, listen this is a meaningless it's just all in, conversation it's all in name only i'm just starting yeah I just, except no no it's not i don't think it's meaningless actually i i think it's really helpful because i think mm-hmm. um i think that's just true of christianity like mm-hmm. uh, it, it's like what does it even mean if you say you're a christian um do you you know, you you can get to such silly things about like baptism or whatever, but then like, 
um, it, it can go into like, what do you believe about heaven? Or even do you believe that you, that the, you take the Bible literally or, or not, or was Jesus a literal person or like whatever, like, like, the word Christian is almost like totally meaningless because there are such opposite ends of the spectrum on every belief within the term Christian. Um, because and our, like, because our president claims to be a Christian as well. And <laughs> well, no, but, it, but again, it's, it's like, it's a name that I think ends up representing a, a pack more than necessarily a set of beliefs. And there are some sets of beliefs that are like more common, um, th- that you could say like a belief in, um, Jesus as the son of God, um, a belief in, in one God, a belief in the Trinity. Those things are at least in like probably most churches. Um, but again, it's like, uh, that I think it's the same thing with like deconstruction where like we, for whatever reason, like there's this idea of like being a real Christian, which is like some, ambiguous set of beliefs that you hold and you hold them without like any doubts in your mind. And then we like look at the rest of the world. Like our cells are constantly changing. Our, our planets are moving. Our galaxy is moving. Like everything's moving within the universe constant, constantly. There's, there's absolutely nothing that's staying the same. And yet like we like people, people get really fucked up by not being able to handle like, their belief system or like their thoughts about a thing changing and it like wrecks, wrecks their life. It, it like kind of wrecked my life, you know? And I think that's like some of the, like being able to like learn compassion for like people and like Christians and people that are deconstructing has been like just realizing like that everybody is like kind of in a completely different place from each other, even though there's commonalities because we're all like constantly shifting and like belief and thought and even action is like not necessarily a static thing in any way. Yeah. I don't know. That was a tangent, but I think that's one of the ideologies that like, that is the, because I think there's a lot that's beautiful about religion. I think there's a lot that's beautiful about belief. I think there's a lot, but I think there are these fundamental wrongs and i think one of the fundamentally wrong things that is frequently taught in that space is this idea that like it's a bad thing to change your mind or Mm. to have your beliefs evolve or Mm. to even to to entertain the thought of changing Mm. your mind is a bad thing a slippery slope a, Mm. a dangerous falling away like and that is, it's literally like antithetical to growth, right? Like yeah. to grow, to learn, to mature, to evolve. All of that involves being able to think critically about your belief system, being able to vet the things that you think and learning how to, I mean, even when we get to like media, learning how to be a responsible consumer of media and to ask is what I am reading and believing here, that is it factual? Is it rooted in something? Can I like find evidence to support it and to have that skill of critical thinking? And the idea that there's like shame built around that, like, oh no, you are, your faith is challenged. You are a bad person. You are falling away. You are doing, if you entertain this kind of critical thinking, I think that that's just such, that's such a damaging thing to teach people. It's such Mm -hmm. a, it's just a, it's just a crippling thing to throw into someone's mind. Like, mm. and it answers so much of the the question I was asking earlier about, you know, how how is it that um, 
we're immediately at odds with the people who were family and were community once we change a belief or or or, um, or begin a process of deconstruction. Mm-hmm. And and I just I, I find myself just more and more wanting to get back to because I've I've been I've been multiple <laughs> phases of this thing, but much of it was. Um, no, I need to cut off the people who are even even folks who are like challenging me and what I and where I'm at right now, mm. um, because that's dam- somehow damaging or harmful to me. And and I think I think now just I don't know just the further I get and the older I get into this stuff, I I find myself wanting to have okay. So even like right here in the space that we're in, we just moved to a new neighborhood. Um, Karen and I are, are housemates now, and we're in a new neighborhood, and there's we're out in East County, San Diego, and it's not, it's not the gayborhood that I've used I, I've, I've used to live in. It's not, <laughs> yeah, it's not the city. We're in the burbs, and I just, just feel it. I just feel it in the air. Like some of the people on this street probably voted for Trump. Like I don't know, that's probably a thing. But I, I find myself kind of hoping that we encounter those people and like become, na- you know, friendly neighbors with them just because I, I, I want to know what it's like to have relationships with folks who aren't, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, super quick to just subscribe affirm, and, and yeah. agree and yeah. affirm everything I say. And, and I, I just feel like, I feel like now I'm maybe in a space where I can handle it better. I couldn't always for sure. Um, and, and, and it's not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to go through periods in your life when, especially just for your own sanity and health, um, to really set up boundaries that do end up pu- pu- putting people out of your life, at, mm-hmm. at least in, in, in ways that they used to be in your life. And um, I'm not saying that that's not necessary. I'm just saying that for me, at the point I'm, I'm at in life right now, I think I'm, I'm capable and interested in having relationships that, with folks who are radically different from me. And, and I, and because I feel like I know that I can be mm-hmm. in that and not lose my cool and not lose my shit the way I might have in the past and not feel personally threatened and all of these things. Um, and it just might be, it just might make for an interesting experience and an interesting life. <laughs> Which is what you get when you're given permission to ask questions yeah. because you figure out that like the world's not going to crumble yeah. when you ask these questions yeah. and you start to become a little more comfortable in this space of, like some people have answers, some people have questions. It's fine. Like mm-hmm. it's all going to be fine. And I think that there's a there's a lack of fragility that comes in there. Like he starts to feel yes. solid and starts to feel a little less. I'm no longer worried <laughs> about my identity crumbling if somebody doesn't agree with me. Like yes, it's fine. I'm going to still mm-hmm. be who I am. It's cool. And I firmly believe that we can find some sort of common ground. I do. I firmly believe that. Mm-hmm. Especially if we're asking the same questions. Cool. Even if you've got different conclusions than me, like neat you know yeah. <laughs> like we we're asking the same questions we've got something to talk about so mm-hmm. it's going to be fine yeah but i don't know it's complicated mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's complicated guys <laughs> so, that's my david, spiritual relationship status <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated david what did so you, you were in this place where the, you had that two years of depression and it was rough and, and the bottom e and then what what did starting to rebuild look like for you? Mm. I went, I, I, some of this stuff is like the timeline's a little confusing, but um, I, my family used to have a little beach house in the greatest beach in the world, uh, Myrtle Beach, North Carolina. Just hey. kidding. If you've ever been there, it's whoo. <laughs> um, but uh, 
I I went down to that house after a friend had taken his own life, um, and I was just processing. And it was in the winter. I loved going down there in the winter because mm. um, that beach is always overrun except in the winter. So it was like just by myself, and I just like was totally. I just felt totally lost in my head and emotionally and was like processing, you know, like death without this like idea of an afterlife and suicide and all these kind of crazy things. And I, um, I remember I was walking on the beach and there was this huge lightning storm and you're like on the, I mean, it's just like, Oh, I could like very easily be struck. And I remember just being like, I kind of don't care if I get struck. Like I just hit this place where I was like, I'm just totally over everything right now. Um, and so I went back. I had a really rough few days. Um, and then there was a sunny day and I was sitting out on the beach and I, somebody had actually two people for the same, for my birthday, had two different people had given me the same book of Rumi poetry and I never read Rumi mm-hmm. and it was like, okay, I'm going to try this out. And I, I just opened up this book and um, the very first poem is like talking about how did I end up in this place? Like, I don't know how I ended up here. Um, I don't know if I came from anywhere, but if I did come from somewhere, whoever brought me here will have to take me home. Um, and it just like totally opened me up. And this like, yeah, I just felt so understood. And I'm like reading about this dude and I'm like, oh my God, like he lived so many hundreds of years ago and, um, you know, understands all these things and that, that I'm going through. And, and the more I read, the more it was like figuring out about like this very open spirituality that was like not contained by any specific imagery, you know? So, so yeah, then it was like the next couple of years were really like, I did all of the reading of like every religious book I could and Mm -hmm. um, was like studying Sufism and and Buddhism and Hinduism and um, all sorts of things. And, and, and specifically connected a lot with Sufism um, and, and still do a lot. Um, so I, I don't know, it, it became, I guess some of the stuff we've already talked about was just this, it was realizing that there are people who, um, were, were kind of like looking at all the, the imagery and the language and saying like, oh, this is, this is pointing at a deep, deeper concept. And like the concept still holds true, even if the language or the imagery doesn't. And, and like, actually you don't need the language or the imagery to be literal or to have happened for the concepts that they illustrate to, to still be meaningful. Um, so now like I, I would not call myself a religious person and there, there are a lot of days where I struggle to be spiritual at all. Um, but I, I still feel like so tied in with, with like the, the poetry and art of some of those people, Rumi and Hafiz and, um, different folks, I think because they're like these deep rooted concepts about, yeah, about like kindness, about awe, um, about like being in love with nature and, and like tied in with like the world and how it works and giving up, like learning to love and accept the self and also like learning to blend the self in with everybody else around you. Like all these things that I think Christianity, a lot of Christianity was actually trying to illustrate uh, and does illustrate uh, is a good really great starting off point and for some people a really good continuing point of uh, you know illustrating those concepts um but I, I think i just started to fall back in love with the concepts a lot a lot more um mm. which which has helped me kind of come to terms with my upbringing um which is why when you first asked when i was like i guess you could say deconstructed because I, I feel like to yeah i guess like to some degree i deconstructed like 
Um, I hold no literal Christian belief right. in my life anymore, but um, I feel like I almost am like more in love with it than I was when I was a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> now. Please, that makes sense to me. It's funny as you're as you're saying this, like it's we I we've got the luxury of having these conversations a lot, and I it's the same thing. Even when I was like deeply religious, I used to say all the time that like, God, I feel like God talks to me through pattern, like. It's that's how I that's why I make a terrible atheist is because I feel like there's so much pattern and intention in the world and I can't like not see it. It's so it's just a thing that is deeply meaningful to me, whether I'm creating that for myself and, you know, that's confirmation bias or whatever. It's deeply meaningful for me and it adds value to my life. But that was the thing for me, too. Like, I remember listening to the Bhagavad Gita in my car and mm. being like, you could put this into a church on Sunday morning and no one would know. Like, no one would know that this wasn't straight out of the Bible. Like, I am the Alpha and the Omega and for God so love the world. Mm -hmm. like, it's, like, it's the same story. And there was something in that. And it was that same sort of zooming out of like, I think whatever God is, if there is God, God is a hell of a lot bigger than any of these specific stories. And that the commonality and the similarity in that makes it so much more poignant and appealing for me. Mm. Just so much more interesting. And mm. just uh, as a as a poet, as a writer, like there's so much more to, to work with in that. There's so there's so much more to talk about. Uh, and I love that. I love mm. the I love the freedom in that. Mm. Yeah, and so much, so much more possible than to kind of just circle back to traditions and even liturgies and things like that that were part of you know our spiritual practice growing up, and to readopt them in a in a way that isn't because I, I mean I'm 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 like you, David. I there's literally not a, a Christian belief I <laughs> subscribe to um, that. You know, no, no, no Christian would would look at me and like say, yeah, sure, you're 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 in my camp. I mean, except for except for the fact that there are now there are there are Christians who can look at me and say like, yeah, sure, yeah, you're part of it. You're, you're part of the thing. And I also don't like vomit when I hear that now. Like, it's like I, you I like Amy Grant a lot. I, well, yeah. So that like, <laughs> is that one of the tenant one of the yeah the, that's one um, of the ten tenets of Christianity. Apostles Creed. Right. Yeah. It's, it's Sinner's in there. prayer. Amy Grant. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just the the I I enjoy going back and <laughs> I was picking songs that we're gonna do at our it, you know church spiritual community whatever we want to call it uh, this weekend and um pulled one an old one up come ye sinners <laughs> which even in the title i'm like this should probably like be more triggering to me than it is now and i'm just uh, just looking at the words now and i'm just like no like i'll arise and go to jesus i can totally sing that in a, in a way now that's just like um I don't I, I i don't even know i don't even know how to explain why i want to sing those words without actually like doing anything to um, get that personal relationship with Jesus that was all important growing up. Like it, I just, I just want to participate in these practices and these, these rituals, some of which are super, you know, time tested and, and just ancient, um, in, you know, and not feel like I have to an overanalyze and, and 
uh, you know, be uh, um, hyper aware of um, subscribing to the whole the whole theology or the whole dogma or the whole the whole mm-hmm. institution. Um, I don't know. I, I I just like I don't know less militant now than I <laughs> mm-hmm. than I, I was uh, even even a few years ago, even three years ago, um, and and I find some some good stuff just in letting myself be in those spaces just as much as I let myself be in like yoga spaces and meditative spaces and just get out in nature and experience something beautiful spaces. Um, And in these, in these conversational spaces that we're in, so it's, it it just, it all belongs. That's what, I guess that's what it really comes down to is, is Mm -hmm. it it can all belong is we just um, have to have, the open perspective on it totally yeah i was i i think it was flannery o'connor who um like (laughs) actually wrote this really funny saint yeah (laughs) wrote this like funny essay um or or maybe it was an interview but i don't know where somebody was talking about her summarizing one of her books and she was like you can't like Mm. the like she basically said like um a book like the whatever the book is talking about it should take that many words to say. Mm. <laughs> it should take the amount of words of your book to say. And if you can say it, sh- if you can say it shorter, if you can really explain the book shorter, you should have a shorter book. Yeah, you should um, do that. Should. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, I feel like to some degree that is like this the spiritual inclination or like the the <laughs> the things we have uh, that that we're drawn to or that that are practices that speak to us where it's like. Oh yeah, you don't have to explain why this feels good or, or why it's meaningful. And, and to some degree, like the structures of Christianity or or of any religion are in place. Like I think trying to uh, like to create a process for those experiences more often, um, which I guess I could dive into a little bit more. But but my I guess what I'm saying is like yeah, there there's this like wealth of spiritual experience that just can't be put into words it's just absolutely impossible and it, it, it it's impossible to explain it and we get very lost trying to explain it um if it really is that big and that good like it should take that many words it should take these thousands of different variations of religions it should take these thousands of different names for what to call it and these different ideas like i love that it should take that many words to Which try is, to describe it yeah that's the full circle like <laughs> i think about when um, we used to sit in our little Sunday school class in my quote unquote Plymouth Brethren non-denominational whatever you want to call it thing that I grew up in. Not <laughs> Bullshit. Um, <laughs> and, and, and we used to look at the, you know, all the other spiritual traditions and all the other Christian traditions and even churches that were like identical to us in every way except for like the one belief. And we would, it was just, it was a space of judgment. It was a, it was a place of thank goodness we found the right way. Um, as opposed to now, what you're talking about, Karen, like looking at all of that and being like, it's all necessary. Mm-hmm. It's all necessary. Like we we need all of the different ways that people find their their inner divine and and the outer divine um, for those who who find an outer divine. Like we need all of that. Yeah. Mm. Can we write that song, though, guys? Like the "Should Take This Many Words" song. Somebody, one of y'all, can someone get all that? <laughs> <laughs> I need, I need yeah. that to be a thing. I don't care who takes it. Some songwriter make that work because mm-hmm. um, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, it so, was it was making me think of um. There's a like a very I mean a very important 
Islamic phrase is la ilaha illallah, which means there's no God but God. Um, and usually in English is is like shown with like the, the first God is not capitalized and the second God is. So it's this kind of monotheistic, like mm. Allah is the only God. But in, right. in like Sufi circles and translations, like it's kind of come to mean like there is nothing that's not God. Like there's no God, but God, like everything is God. And, and like, there's this great Rumi poem where he kind of dissects that, where he's talking about, like he keeps saying like you directed towards God, you know, and he's like, you are the, the laugh that I heard in the alleyway. And like, you were the scream of the person in the hospital. You are the disease, the sickness and the healing. Um, you were the, the voice of the, what does he say? Like somebody, somebody doubts that you exist. You are the doubt and the voice of the doubter and the existence. Mm. Uh, and it's a long thing like that. But, I, but I feel like it's totally that again, like all encapsulating thing that like, we're always trying to get at, yeah. um, with, with our practices or with the, like leaving our practices or with the belief or the unbelief that like, it, it is all part of this like giant indescribable thing. Um, and we just like have small attempts to to communicate aspects of it that feel meaningful at certain times, which ends up being religion a lot of times, um, or that or that re- religion becomes the the attempted explanation of of these unexplainable things or aspects of unexplainable things. Mm-hmm. A lot of times. Yep. Oh, God, absolutely. I love that. So I just I was googling. I'm trying to find that poem now because I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna need to you, have that Ruby poem that, that I don't life. already. Oh my gosh, I probably have. <laughs> I probably have it saved on my phone, honestly. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> I was, was going to say, do you have it tattooed on you? Because it feels, it feels very near and dear to you. It's, it's, and now I know what I want to talk about with you next time we do this, if you'll come back to Heathen. I, I would love to, yeah. to do this again. Because that, like, diving into some of the... Um, I don't, I, I, I'm very uneducated around Sufism. Mm-hmm. And uh, that would be a really interesting conversation to have. Yeah, well, the I mean, and and the like very bad summary of it is that it's like, <laughs> it's got so much in common with any other mystical, right? So you know, it's so common with like Buddhism and, and like the very mystical parts of Hinduism, um, but with like a lot of Islamic language. So <laughs> you know, it's like you you almost like in some ways it's like so awesome to step into, but also you know you don't have to know about it to know about it. Um, right. And and the the thing I love about Sufism compared to some of the like mystic other monotheistic mystic sects is that sufism was like immediately like kind of like oh our religions are the same and they're all paths to the same thing um which is yeah makes it a little bit easier to be like yeah you could you could do without learning about it or you could learn about it kind of doesn't matter whatever speaks to you (laughs) is kind of sufism (laughs) so (laughs) yes please Um, can we pivot sharply just like can i just do a really abrupt awkward pivot because you guys released an ep on valentine's day yes <laughs> this, is true. this is the truth that was like there was no work put into that transition kids that was just no it's great <laughs> um which is beautiful but this last song on here heartache i'm a little bit obsessed like i just need to tell you that i really think this is a fucking beautiful song oh oh my god <laughs> it's gorgeous and it's got such a beautiful like kind of old school crooner vibe to it but i'm such a lyric nerd and oh i was so excited i was jumping up and down listening to it yesterday i was like this is oh god i look at so much <laughs> it's it is very few words 
and it is a really beautiful encapsulation of a really big thing mm. in very simple words, which is gorgeous. So people, heathens, there's this lovely little EP that is brand new from the collection called I Love You and I Think I Like You Too, and you will be seriously missing out if you do not go listen to these songs. Like, What a great title. Right now, I know. It's so great. And it's like this beautiful little story arc. It's it's just four songs on here, right? Yeah, it's just four songs, but all of them are, are gold. So get on there. I mean, the, <laughs> the, link, the links are going to be in our show notes, yeah. so you can very easily access it. Just go there now. And uh, if... if You'll give us permission. Um, I'd love to weave some of the music into this conversation, if that's all right, David. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, totally. Sweet. Let me let me know what you need. <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 just download it. We'll just play. okay. Oh, you <laughs> don't support the band. No, well, wait, you don't have to do that. <laughs> oh, no, but we. That's what we do. <laughs> like you, and therefore we will. <laughs> well, thank you. Is, is, is we certainly believe that people should have access to beautiful things. Yes. Like we're not gonna we're not gonna hide this from yeah. from the people yeah i'm just not used to people paying for music i'm like what oh no people haven't done that in 10 years what are I you know, talking I about I, I i regularly still do but yeah. but specifically for these kinds of purposes like i need i mm. actually need the file not that i need to not stream it i need the files so, yeah um is there i just want to make sure we give you a chance to talk about your music because we just haven't done that it, it, anything you want to say about that ep or just what what you guys are yeah, what's new what are you excited into? about oh gosh yeah um i have a band <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> <You> uh, <laughs> there are seven of us um really lovely people the people i play with are, are yeah my best friends in the world and they're just amazing amazing are people you, to be around and yeah are you so tired after shows because like you guys are all in <laughs> no it's like i'm so tired before shows and then i have so much adrenaline uh, the the like post-show glow is like one of my favorite feelings in the world yeah. <laughs> um it's some of the some of the addiction to this probably um but yes, I, they're they're a rowdy bunch, which is funny because a lot of them aren't like in person. It's just like on stage, all of a sudden, everybody's like what, like totally wild, and you know, it's crazy. We're, and it's like funny as we get older because you get done with a show and you're like, oh my god, like I bought a foam roller on the last tour. Um, <laughs> I like on tour, I was like, we have to go find this. <laughs> yeah. My hip, my hip. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. We there's a lot of instruments in the band and a lot of sweet people and um we just released this new ep which um kind of came about because we're actually working on a new full-length record and there were these songs that felt like they they went together with each other and not with the rest of the songs on the record um because a lot of the new record i think a lot of the songs are kind of focusing on uh yeah trying to survive with depression um self-care um also like setting boundaries and relationships and um you know there's a spiritual aspect to it too and these songs just kind of were like about relationships to some degree or another and so we we're like hey let's just do this on valentine's day by themselves um and it came together really fast it was kind of like here's the songs okay let's go record them next weekend so it, it was very quick but I, there were songs i'd been marinating on for a while so um there's that and then yeah there's going to be a new record sometime this year i'm guessing hopefully in the fall um that we're all super super excited about that's really where like all the mental power at the moment is going 
all the energy. I love that you just said that it's like about boundaries. We've got a song that we do, uh, Ben and I, that we introduced. It's like, this is a song about boundaries. Just because like <laughs> this whole idea of like lo- just songs in general. And I would even say not even just love songs, but songs in general usually are kind of about codependency and shitty boundaries. Like pretty much across the board, a mm. lot of the stuff that's out there. And I love this like magical little crew of thoughtful progressive introspective humans who are like we're gonna actually like write songs about being healthy and like self-care and doing things that are important and like taking care of instead of like bleeding out and cutting yourself for people and like doing this whole thing like we're gonna write songs that you can actually live like that i love that so much so i'm so Mm. excited to hear i'm so excited to hear what you guys have well, thanks. I think that, that it always becomes, it always ends up becoming full length records for me because like I write a song. <laughs> this is, I guess, also an eight thing. Like I, I feel like I write a really drastically intense song and then my mm-hmm. brain's like, oh, now I need an intense song the opposite way just to like balance it out. So it's like <laughs> there'll be a song, like there's a song on the new record that's about like wanting to help like lift up people's burdens. And then like the next song is about... um like take your shit with you. I uh, like I I like I'll help your emotions, yeah. but when you leave, yeah. I can't have it, so take it with you. So it's no. like, oh, I guess if I'm gonna write about one, I have to do the other. And like, oh shit, now I have 13 songs, and that's just how it is. <laughs> perfect. I'm glad that you have this compulsion. I feel like you benefit from it. That's yes. Great. Well, cool. We'll Thanks. take it. We'll take all that. Folding albums are a rarity these days, and frankly, I love them. I think this this storytelling thing and that balancing is great. I like to hear what people put together. So mm-hmm. more power mm. to you. Please keep writing. Oh. 13. Well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Please keep it, keep it going. Yeah. Um, where can people find you? Since we it took us an hour to get going, and we've had you here, we've been holding you hostage for a solid ninety minutes now. Where in the world can people find you online on the internet? Where do you want to be followed? Um, yeah, we're we're everywhere. I mean, music is everywhere. Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff. Under the collection, we're on Instagram. That's probably that's probably the place to direct people. We're on Instagram at Collection Band, and we're also on Facebook. Um. And if you want to hang out with your, with your grandma, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. My grandma's on Facebook. She's not on Instagram. So, um, (laughs) oh yeah. And I I don't know when this episode will come out, but we're going to be on tour, um, through April with the opening for a band called magic giant. Um, and those dates are on our website and I think we'll be adding a bunch of dates in May as well. Um, so if people want to come see us, we'll be around the country. The best. Well, thanks. Thank you for the boost. <laughs> seriously, like, I get really, uh, listen, it's just going to continue to be really nerdy because I love it. I love it so much when oh. <laughs> people have that magic thing. I think you guys totally have it. So it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like we barely scratched the surface of the things I would love to hear you talk about, David Wimbish, but thank you for being willing to scratch the surface with us today. Thanks for having me. It just means we get to talk again, and I very much enjoyed talking with y'all and and hearing about y'all. So, yeah, um, I'm excited to continue it at some point, and thanks for having me now. It it means a lot. You are welcome back anytime, Anytime. and I look forward to the next one as well. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, David. <laughs> Enjoy the snow. Have a fun right. snow day and snow camp. <laughs> Thanks. It's like literally almost all melted during this conversation. Oh. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That is snow in North Carolina. So. <laughs> oh, wow.